0: We've been talking over the last few weeks um, really about weakness. And uh, I'll take it. And how weakness really is a key to walking with Christ. And that goes so against our nature, it goes so against our flesh. We spend most of our life trying to get strong, trying to get strong physically, trying to get strong mentally trying to get strong in education. And, you know, strength isn't bad. Being fit isn't bad. Um, but when walking with Christ, um, we've got to make sure um, that our strengths don't get in the way of God. And isn't that hard to do? That's so hard to do. But there is an, an intimacy with God and with your walk with God that can only come through our weakness. There there are things about Him that we can only get to know in those times. A scripture that I've used so many times, um, really at funerals, is uh, Psalm 23, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's such a powerful scripture. Um, There is so much encouragement just within those few scriptures. Even though we walk through so many challenges, we will fear no evil for God is with me. And that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Such an incredible scripture. I just hope that the Spirit of God will just speak to you this morning. Even as I have a message, I want you to know that just the raw word of God um, is powerful. David didn't say he would get rid of our enemies. He said right here, with death hanging over me and with enemies surrounding me, you are with me. You're communing with me, you're feeding me, and you're creating intimacy in this place of weakness and dependence. When we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, when we emerge out of the deep end, then what? What happens when we walk through this valley of, of struggle and we come out of it victoriously? What happens? We become, a, we become aware of a presence, of a supernatural presence that's with us, that helps us through impossible situations. I want to ask you, have you ever faced an impossible situation and walked through it with God and came out of it better off? Have you ever experienced that? I want you to see that when we walk through those things with Christ, our faith is built. Our faith is is building, and it becomes strengthened. And we begin to believe for the impossible. The, The strangest thing that occurs, one of the strangest things in my life is that I can believe you. I can believe with you for your impossible thing But I can't believe for me. And that's why I need you. That's why I need a spouse. That's why she needs me as she faces impossible situations. I believe with all my heart we will come out of this and come out of it great. But we've got to hold on. But I find myself in my own situations wanting to crawl into a a cave. David ran and crawled into a cave. But I want you to know he didn't stay there. He came out, and he battled, and he won. Many of you have crawled into a cave, and I want you to know, crawling into the cave is not the wrong thing. Staying in the cave is. There are times when you need to get alone with God. Elijah, who just watched all the prophets of Baal just die, ran because Jezebel showed up. Jezebel showed up and threatened his life, and he took off. What did God do? He fed him. He encouraged him. And then he encouraged him to get up and go back. Don't stay here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not remain there. I will fear no evil, for God is with me. It's such an amazing thing how we can believe for others, but we can't believe for ourselves. And I'm ready to believe for myself. I'm ready. We have a deeper, stronger faith when we come through those challenges. And our roots get firmly established in the revelation of who our Father is, and He is a Father who never leaves us. And you know what? Nothing is worth more to God than our faith. And do you know that it's faith that pleases God? So don't you think that God likes for us to have situations that causes us, us to show faith? When do you, ha- when do you show faith? In my, life, my experience, it's been when I've exhausted everything within me. I don't think it should be that way. But what happens is I get to the end of my rope and then I have to rely on God. What happens when I rely on God? I engage my faith. What happens when I engage my faith? It pleases God. What happens when I engage my faith? God moves. I think God would tell me, Paul, you did not have to get to the end of this rope. But really, I'm kind of glad that you did get there because here I am. I was there all along. But you weren't looking for me. You didn't have to go to the very last thread of that rope. But I'm glad that you did because here I am. And here we are. And I'm going to rescue you because that's what I do. I rescue. God rescues. Church, you may not know it, but God's a rescuing God. God does not let you drown. He rescues. And He rescues in your very present time of need. What does that mean? That means that He's not on vacation in your time of need. He's ready to rescue. In those moments when we feel like we don't have anything more to give, God says, you're in a great situation. You're in the fire, but it means that you're about to find out that your faith is genuine. And you can't find that out when everything is going great for you. You can only find out how, how strong your faith is when you're in the fire. What I'm wanting to do is to put together a principle of the, of the Word of God, of, of, the, of God's kingdom... In that this whole thing of consider it all joy when we face various trials. Why? Because you're going to be placed in the fire and the only way out of that fire is Christ. And literally what's going to come out by you engaging with Christ is good. But it's going to take hell to get there. Consider it joy when we're going through challenges. I so struggle with that. I don't think, oh, yay, my life's about to fall apart. Joy. Joy. God doesn't call us just to endure weakness. He calls us to rejoice in it. I think rejoice is not necessarily the same thing as comfort Or happy. I think joy is is different than happy. It says in in God's word, he he says that my power is made perfect in weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I have skipped a scripture, I think. Yeah, let's back up. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Though for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold than perishes, than gold that perishes, though it is tested by by fire, may it be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's worth more than gold? The genuineness of your faith. The only way to prove the genuineness of your faith, we just saw in the scripture before, is by trials. I don't have to show any faith when my faith isn't tested. So it requires a test of faith to test your faith, (laughs) which requires a test, a trial. In having that trial, our faith is tested. And you know what? If you find yourself with no faith, that is still good to know. Is anybody, can anybody hear me? There, there is power in knowing I need faith. What will that do for me? It'll turn me back to the Word. It'll turn me back to the Spirit of God, which will in turn get me back on track of God's will, which will in turn be good. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I want you to know that Paul, the Apostle Paul, has had a revelation. Can you see that in what he's saying here? What he's saying here is so profound. He's saying that I have seen God move so much through my trials and through my weakness. Paul was an arrogant intellectual And he is saying here that because I have walked with God through my insufficiency and my weakness, I can boast all the more because through my weakness, Christ's power rests on me. So as great as your strengths may be, they don't compare to Christ's strengths. So he's, I believe he is saying, number one, my strengths are weaknesses compared to God. But it is when I acknowledge my weakness and walk with God in complete reliance upon Him through my challenges, is his, does His power rest on me? I pray that I'm connecting because I believe that we are hitting a major point in God's kingdom. Your ability to walk and to have success in your walk with Christ and in your walk in this world is based on your weakness and you relying on Christ. When I first started this series weeks ago, I mentioned that it's not the people who start the race that are impressive. It's the people that finish. Anyone can start a race. Every one of you, 100%, could go sign up for a marathon and start. But I would argue that many would finish before they let the traffic back on the roads. You might finish days later, but you'll be run over by a car. We are finishers. Christ is the author and finisher of your faith. We are finishers. We are not someone that starts this race and then stalls out and dies on the side of the road and has to be cleaned up because we're a roadkill. I can't stand road roadkill. We walk a lot, and man, it smells. And my dogs want to my dog wants to engage. But there are so many Christians that are roadkill on the roads. We are get knocked down and get up people. We get up. Church on the Hill, you're get up people. I'm not telling you you're not going to get knocked down. You are. I got bruises and marks on my body right now as we speak. Because the world is brutal. Physically, mentally, it's brutal. But I have the power of Christ resting on me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. I may feel like it. I may want to crawl in a hole and get away from it. But nothing can separate me from that. Nothing. Nothing. Not Satan, nothing. Christ's power rests on me. Can you get that revelation? The revelation is not for you to go home and say, Christ's power rests on Pastor Paul. No, you've missed the whole point if that's what you go home with. Christ's power rests on you. If we do not let God perfect his strength in our weakness, we will not be able to endure and finish the race. Mark chapter 4 talks about the, the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4. We're talking about the seed. It's telling us that the seed is the word and that the soil represents different kinds of people. But it's the stony soil that represents those people. It says that, likewise, those are the ones who sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Immediately receive it with gladness. Oh, shoot. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. I don't know if you've ever heard it shared this way but the stony soil I believe I believe we can relate the stony soil to so many different situations in our life but this one I believe is a perfect metaphor for people who have never learned to embrace weakness and vulnerability and their reliance on their own strength has caused this great hardness and a resistance to God's building roots in their lives So that when God leads them into inevitable hardships and persecutions, they have no endurance. They stumble and they can't get up. And that is not where we want to be. That we're going to just continue to hold on to what we know in our own strength. And we allow ourselves to stay injured through our whole life. Wounded. In our spirits, wounded with rejection, wounded with depression, wounded, literally wounded with unforgiveness. I want you to know unforgiveness is a wound that won't heal. If you're battling unforgiveness and trying to get over that on your, on your own, you won't. And the great thing about unforgiveness is it's not based on the other person. Your unforgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with you and God. If you can ever receive that revelation, your ability to forgive is now off of you, and it's on to God. And I want you to know, you can forgive them. And I'm sorry to say it this way, but I don't care what it is that they've done. What I mean is, the significance of what they've done doesn't factor in. The wound you're walking around with is a wound that can only be healed by Christ. Whatever has been done to you can't be undone, it can't be undone. And it's shocking the things that you endure. The things as we walk through this life that we have to endure is is almost unbearable. The only reason it's not unbearable is because of Christ. And as much as that sounds like just a coined expression from a pulpit in a church, it's the only way that I could have overcome the things that I've been through. And not only have I overcome... They're gone. They have no impact in my life anymore. Now, I can remember them. I can come back to them, and I can build a fire, and we can have a campfire around that problem again if I want to, but that's up to me. Now, if someone's legitimately hurt me, do I allow them to continue to hurt me? No. But do I forgive them? Yes. It's not based on them. It's based on me and the Lord. God, do I really love you? then I'm going to forgive that person. Now, by God, I'm not going to let them do it again. I don't mean that in a sacrilegious way. I mean, God does not call me to go lay in front of a street and get run over by a car again. I'm supposed to guard my heart with all diligence. But I'm also, because Christ has forgiven me of so much, I'm supposed to forgive. Forgiveness requires total weakness. It literally requires death because I want to hold on. And you know what? By every standard other than the kingdom of God, I have a right to hold on to it. There's books written about why you should hold on to it. You've got friends that'll encourage you to hold on to it. Every standard other than the kingdom of God will tell you to hold on to it. But when I hold on to my strength, I get broken because I can't hold the world up on my shoulders. Do you know who can? God holds the, the, the universe in the span of his hands. It's impossible for me. It's nothing for him. I didn't even mean to hit on unforgiveness tonight today, but you need free. It takes total weakness and total death to let go of it. you will have no endurance to finish if you don't embrace weakness. Christ's strength can only come to us in the present moment to meet a present need. Embrace weakness. Begin to learn complete dependence upon the Lord. You know, it doesn't take me long if I get in a, in a lunch or a meeting with someone and they start talking um, for me to be able to line up God's word with what they're walking through. That's what God equips us for. It's why we have a body. It's why we have other people to talk because sometimes the things that I believe are true, once it comes out of my mouth, if I have lunch, I have lunch once a month with a couple worship team leaders, Cody and uh, Ron and uh, John Saka sometimes and All I've got to do is just start talking, and there's enough spiritual maturity in that room that if I get off track, they're going to pick up on it. It doesn't take rocket science, but if I want to isolate myself, I can talk myself into a complete lie and walk it the rest of my life. And guard myself from never sharing what's really going on in my heart. I've done it even with my wife, not sharing what's going on in my heart. But I will tell you, the second it comes out of my mouth, she has no filter. (laughs) And I can tell you that every demon in hell is trying to get you to hold on to that lie. So as soon as she presses a button in me, I want to defend myself. No matter how stupid I sound. I sound stupid. But the lie is about to get truth poured on it. It requires weakness. As I close this morning, and Cody, I didn't even tell you, will you come up and play? We've got to do, we've got to do communion. Um, I'm missing my right hand. Pastor Justin's off this week. And, uh, Brandon, don't let me forget you either, wherever you are. I saw you up there. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I had Pam Russell ask me to give an announcement. I'm like, Pam, my head's spinning. I can hardly keep up with my own stuff. But praise God. She's already walked out. I remembered it. Weakness. It is by by by. Our weakness is His strength perfected. Our weakness. That that sounds like we're supposed to be wishy-washy, and that's not it at all. I want you to know David was a mighty warrior. But he continually came back to Christ's strength and His weakness. Paul, we can see just in what he said this morning that it is by his challenges that God's strength is made known and made perfected and that his genuine faith is proved because of his challenges and because of his weakness. I want to encourage you to embrace your weakness and acknowledge God in what you're walking